Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, fresh off COVID, Jerry Springer. <laughs> Thank you. And welcome back to Megan. Thank oh you. My God. Yeah. So happy to be back. Hold yeah, on. For, like... Hold that. Hold that <laughs> thought, Jerry. Hold yeah. that thought for okay. one second. Yes. Uh, because that's got some ugly history. So just you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh maybe things first, I don't know. Yeah. Now, uh, first, uh, so Jerry is going to do his thought from the week in a few minutes. So everybody going to want to hear that because I had to do with that crap show last night. Uh, the debate the first presidential debate. So we're recording this on the 29th of September and it, you know, 30th, 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 30th. pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. 30th. So, uh, it'll go into the archive and people will hear it probably by tomorrow, which will be the 1st of October. So we're going to do that. And then we're also going to hear, uh, from Tyler Childers. And we're going to talk about him in a second too. It's a replay of a song he did on our podcast, white house road, but we want you to hear, uh, what Tyler Childers is up to these days because it's very significant in that it fits the time. So stick around for that. We do want to welcome back. First, let's uh, pay our respects to uh, Maria Corelli. So here's, here's the story here. Maria and all the people who work with the Jerry Springer podcast have like other things they do. I don't because I have no life, but then I'm the executive <laughs> producer. I'm not a producer. I'm the executive producer. And yeah. that is basically my de definition of life. Which but, means, which means you oversee all the other producers, right? Exactly. That's what could you name, could you name <laughs> one <laughs> other producer that you're uh, over? Just one. You're over who? So I mean, anyway, what, let's talk yeah. about Maria. Let's talk for a minute about Maria. I'd like to see the credits. For exactly. this yeah. <laughs> wow. Nobody's taking credit for this show. <laughs> <laughs> no one's trying to get on that list. <laughs> few of us have tried to leave this list a few times, and yet. <laughs> so as Joe Biden would say, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the Maria Corelli. <laughs> is a singer-songwriter, COVID, in all seriousness, has hit her like it has Casey Campbell and other Tyler Childers, other singer-songwriters we know very hard. It's, it's very tragic. So she has uh, taken another job that is not in singing and songwriting, but to pay the bills and her uh, work obligation caused her to contact me and sadly say, I got to pull back from this. So here's what we did. I, I, because I am such, I'm gonna be honest here, such a lazy ass executive producer. When Maria Corelli came on several years ago, I never changed the website. So it had Megan Hill's picture. I never uh, changed any, uh, we still had the intro, which you just heard. And in spite of all the lawsuits that have flown back and forth between Megan and Gene and Jerry over <laughs> a lot of stuff, we begged her to come back. Uh, one lawsuit I remember, Megan, you probably remember this. The judge said, uh, I take your point on the things you were saying about Jerry and me, 
and she says, but you can't title a lawsuit. Gene and Jerry are a couple of pricks. She <laughs> said that you can't, that's not. <laughs> and to be fair, my, my lawyer did advise against that, but I, yeah. I needed them to hear the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a fair point, but it's not legal terminology. Yeah. So anyway, we asked uh, Megan to come back and we're very, very glad to have uh, Megan back. I'm so here, here. Missed you guys very much. I wanted to ask you something, Jerry. Uh, with COVID, and, and by the way, listeners, you know, those of you who subscribe and listen regularly, we've been doing some fill-in shows, some, some good fill-in shows from the past. We you know pulled out ones that kind of made sense for the circumstances. But Jerry's uh, recording obligations for Judge Jerry caused him, us, to have to kind of go dormant for a few weeks. So Jerry, I'm curious, and I've probably a lot of listeners who are also fans of the Jerry of the Judge Jerry show. How is that all working? How do you in the COVID environment record judicial shows? How do you do it? Actually, and of course it has nothing to do with me, but it's really pretty impressive how they do it. I mean, I fly up to um, Stamford, Connecticut, which is where we have the uh, courtroom, the studio, and I am there in person on the bench with uh, the bailiff, Najee. But the plaintiffs and defendants, they're from elsewhere. So for example, last week, they were all from Minneapolis. The huh. week before, they were from Phoenix, Arizona. Well, but because of the magic of television, you cannot notice that they're not there with me. I mean, when the camera pans around, you see the back of the courtroom, you see the chairs behind them, you see them standing there where they're supposed to. And it looks like I'm looking right at them because when I look at the plaintiff, I look to my left and there's a monitor there. So I see the plaintiff in my monitor, but for you at home, it looks like I'm looking right at him or her. And then I move and look at the defendant. It's amazing how they do it. It really is. So the fact is for the viewer, there's nothing different. For me, it's a little bit different because there is no audience. In other words, there are no people sitting in the gallery. Yeah. And that makes it hard for me because I need an audience. You so do. <laughs> so what they've given me for $9.99 is a little button that I can hold up and push and it has laughter. Yeah. So, so when I give a little, honestly, when I give a quip in the middle of a case, I'll suddenly hit, I'll, I'll pick it up so everyone sees what I'm doing and I hit the button and it's ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so you run your own laugh track. I do. That's what I was about to say. Oh I my do. God. That, oh my God. And I keep that going for five minutes. There's so much laughter on the show. Oh, hey, if you need a laugh track guy, yeah. there you go. I, uh, I, I can, I'll, I'll meet yeah, you in Spain. Yeah, Casey. <laughs> I'll just, I'll stand in the corner, just completely deadpan and you give me the face and then I'll just hit the back. That's all you got to do. That's what Mickey, that's what Mickey does at home. She's so tired of my joke. <laughs> he just hits the button and walks out of the room. That's <laughs> great. Well, we that poor, you know, I was wondering, Jerry, how did Mickey get through COVID with you? Like, I it, thought she deserved a medal. And let's yeah. not even talk about Bonnie Galvin because yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that woman yeah. is sainted yeah. after all of this. Saint, yeah. Well, Mickey's uh, has counseling now. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. 
And she's on her meds. And no, heavily sedated. On a serious note, it's been great. And who yeah. would have known? I mean, on you know, you really don't know. You know, right. you know, we've been married forty-seven years, but there's never been a time because of my various jobs where we're literally in the same house for five straight months, seven yeah. straight months, every wow. single day and not going out. And, uh, and honestly, it's been really great. That's so cool. it's for the first time yeah. I know I can feel what retirement ultimately is gonna look like. I yeah. bet Body Galvin doesn't have the same response. Uh, no, we're, we, I, I spent a lot of time in the garage. I'm sent to the garage. <laughs> right? Hang out. I'm in the garage with you. Jimmy. There you go, man. <laughs> hey, uh, let me, let me bring up Tyler Childers. So, yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know Tyler Childers, who I learned about through Casey Campbell, and he's here with us. Casey is our music coordinator and Casey has brought a lot of artists to our attention. And Tyler is a guy, and Casey, I'll run this down and then fill in if I screw any of this up or missing some stuff, but he was raised in Eastern Kentucky. Now that's actually kind of important. So he's, how old is Tyler, Casey? He's 30? Uh, yeah, approaching 30. I think he's like 27, 28, I believe, All right. if I'm not mistaken. So if you think about this, and Jared... Not sure, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, yeah, but, but it, you know, 28, 30-ish, 20, uh, it's not, yeah. not 60, 70. That's my point, is that Correct. there's mm -hmm. a rich history in eastern Kentucky with coal mining and, frankly, poverty and beautiful uh, uh, surroundings. I uh, just drove through there actually a few days back, coming back from a camping trip. It's beautiful. And so he grew up there. So his environmental roots are Appalachia. And mm -hmm. there is music that came out of Appalachia. And if anybody watched Ken Burns' Country Music, that wonderful documentary series, one of the bedrocks of country music, not the only one, but one key bedrock is... Appalachian music uh, might stray into bluegrass, uh, but it's, you know, stuff that would happen uh, up a holler sitting on the front porch with people. Right, Casey? And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so Tyler, those are his roots. So he started mm -hmm. putting together music that included those roots. And people would look at him and probably typically say he's an, an up and coming, a rising star in the country music genre but his roots are Appalachia and Appalachian music. So when Casey told us about him, we got him on the podcast and we're gonna play one of his hit songs from his first album, Country Squire. I think I have that right, Casey. And- uh, Purgatory is his first one, yeah. Okay, Purgatory. Yeah. And, and the mm -hmm. song that we're gonna replay uh, is White House Road. But here, here's the thing, uh, uh, within the context of the Black Lives Matter, the overflow of emotions and, and power in America to the George Floyd killing, and then Breonna Taylor happened sort of in the same context, and America went freaking crazy properly. I mean, the reaction was a proper reaction. This crap has to stop. So check this out. Tyler Childers is a guy with a great brain and he has a conscience 
and he decided I'm going to make my next album to include a song he wrote called Long Violent History. And the essence of the song is he is talking to his audience. This is the important part. His audience is largely white and Southern and often Appalachian. And they, according to the stereotype, and Tyler will make this point every time he talks about this, that not all people in that category are, are racist, of course, and they're uh, not all uh, uninformed, but the fact is many of them are. And you can find, and he was finding, some things that were said to him in reaction to the events in America, things that he didn't agree with. A, he wrote the song Long Violent History. It is a great song. I've heard it a bunch of times. You can find it yeah. lots of places. Just Google Tyler Childers, C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S, Long Violent History. You'll see it on YouTube. You'll hear it lots of places. And you'll see on YouTube, and it's important to go to YouTube and look this up, Tyler Childers does a long explanation putting the song Long Violent History into context. He has gotten pushback for doing that, but he has, and I made contact with uh, Liz Sunday, who is the daughter of Noel Paul Stuckey, and Noel Paul Stuckey was Paul, Peter, Paul, and Mary. They jointly, uh, father, daughter, have a foundation called Music to Life, in which they encourage uh, artists to take some of their time and speak out through their music. This is what Peter, Paul, and Mary did back in the day, and comment and try to try to move events in uh, in the world as you live in it at the time. Tyler and, and they want Tyler Childers to hook up with them because they they are kindred spirits. So Tyler had the guts to record this song to not just record it and walk away from it or try to kind of slide it past people. He highlighted it, and I think that the Jerry Springer podcast uh, should, and this is what we're doing, we need to tip our hats to Tyler Childers, who, and I'll just finish with this, he did kind of a Dixie Chicks thing. Don't forget the Dixie Chicks when George W. Bush was president. He found things that he was doing that made them, in a concert, say, the lead singer said, I'm not proud to be a Texan right now. And it was, there was a huge explosion of public opinion about that because she was over, she was overseas when she and, that. and overseas yeah. when she did it. Yeah. And there was yeah. huge pushback and people would say, and probably numbers verify this, they lost a lot of do re mi for taking that stand and they were courageous. Well, they, yeah, they blacklisted uh, them on a lot of the country music stations. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, they artists. changed their names since, haven't they? They're the chicks now. They're not even Chick. Dixie. They chicks. did. Yeah, they dropped yeah. the Dixie. Yep. So, mm -hmm. so this, so when artists do this, I think it they they deserve to be uh, highlighted for it. And frankly, it's like saying thanks for your service. That, that this takes real courage because to do it. And I know Tyler. I, I suspect Tyler's going to suffer some of this too. But I think he did all this very knowingly. Is that mm -hmm. uh, it's going to lose some money because of this, I would guess. I, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe he'll pick up new followers. 
Casey, do I have yeah. that pretty much accurate as I laid it out? Because you know him and I really. Oh know. yeah. Yeah. No, he, uh, he, he, he and his wife both are very, uh, you know, conscientious and, and, uh, uh, outspoken you know i mean they're they're not shy to to say exactly how they feel about a situation and yeah it you know his his message especially was very uh poignant because he just he points to the parallels of uh poor appalachians when it comes to the suppression of african americans and minorities across the country now and you know he ma- he makes very clear that you know the, the history of appalachia is a history of fighting for equal rights and liberties uh, and that, you know, any, anyone that is proud of that heritage should easily be standing at the backs of the black lives matter supporters. Now, and by the know. way, he says in the song, in essence, it raises questions of, well, what if this happened to you? And so, so for yeah, example, exactly. so for example, Brianna Taylor, Louisville, Kentucky, and Tyler makes a yeah. point. I'm a Kentucky. I'm not yep. from somewhere else. I'm a Kentuckian. He says, so imagine if you are a student at uh, Ashland Technical College, which is in uh, Ashland, Kentucky, which is East Kentucky. And yep. imagine if somehow uh, cops mistook you and your boyfriend for somebody else and shot up your place and killed you. So he tries to take people whose knee-jerk reaction might be to, to uh, stiff arm african-american reactions to things that happened to them and said well let's say it happened to you and it's very very powerful yeah, absolutely and by the way that he they he and his wife have an organization called hickman holler h-o-l-l-e-r which is like kentucky talk for a hollow uh hickman holler mm-hmm. appalachian relief fund and i would urge people i've already gone to it and donated money but if you go there donate some money and they are using that money to advance uh, causes of poor Appalachian folks. So Hickman, yep. H-I-C-K-M-A-N, Hickman Holler Appalachian Relief Fund. That's how yep. they're doing their good work in addition to the songs that, that they are writing. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, yeah, they're very uh, active in, in helping their region, you know, uh, get over the stigma that a lot of Southerners and Appalachian folks, you know, often, often have to deal with. So yeah, good for them. Yeah. Uh, in closing. And it's a great, yeah. And, and so, Oh, sorry. It's a great album though. The, the, the album's full of old fiddle tunes too. So, you know, he, he really pulls in that old, that old music, which was a great departure for a lot of his crowd. And I think opens them up, you know, musically and creatively to something, very indigenous to America as well and very uh, close to him and his roots. And so I think just in general, you know, with the outspoken nature of the album, but also the musical material, it's outstanding. Good point. It's not just that uh, progressive message. It is, it's great music. And Jerry, would you agree? It's pretty cool to see, you know, here we are a couple of, you know, mid late seventies guys, in age and we were around in the 60s uh, a middle mi- middle 70s yeah i hear you and 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 back in our time period we saw this hey by the way one difference jerry yeah. is that peter paul and mary i think this is an interesting difference we lived through that so peter paul and mary and dylan and a lot of other people joan baez uh, 
we expected these progressive messages and songs from them. That, that's who they were. The interesting thing about Tyler Childers and the Chicks as well, formerly the Dixie Chicks, is that they were w willing to swim against the current. That takes much more courage, by the way, to swim yeah. against the it, current. What is interesting and good is that the industry and the institutions aren't monolithic anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where you could be controversial and two or three phone calls, the entire radio industry would keep you off the air. Yes. Nowadays, it is so spread out that you can always find a home. You can always find an outlet for your political point of view. And that's why so many of these movements are gaining traction because young people today aren't at the mercy of what their elders tell them, this is what you're gonna to listen to and if you don't behave, we're gonna cut you off. Nowadays, they're, they're just, you know, that's what's good about this whole Black Lives Matter movement. It gains traction and no one was able to shut it down. Mm -hmm. Excellent, mm -hmm. excellent points. Yeah, you know, they're, they're and, indigenous, and, they're, they're grassroots. Yeah. You can't, and that's a great point. It's a very different climate where you, thank God, messages can't be controlled. It's a different, a, a different uh, structure. Yeah. And even That's the way fun. they're putting their messages out there are so different. They have such, there's just a, such a very pool of talent and the way it's being presented. It's, it's been an interesting time. And, and Tyler, I know is part of that. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and um, even this technology we're using tonight, it's, it's just a different lay of the land. And um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It, it, it used to be that you would have to hope that if you had a particular uh, idea or philosophy, you'd have to hope that some famous person would come along and say or articulate what you believe. But now, nowadays, you just get on your phone, get in social media, start a podcast. Uh, you just say it yourself. That's why we're seeing so many creative people come, come forward because they don't need anyone giving them permission to speak out. Everyone's yeah. got a microphone right now. Now, the bad part is that we get a lot of pure nonsense and dishonesty and yeah, sometimes yeah. evil motivations, but at least the good voices can be heard. And, you know, in the end, I keep saying the, uh, in the end, liberals always win. Yep. Look, if Jerry Springer can do it, then, you know. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If I can Amen. have a podcast. <laughs> And, and I have convinced both people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> tens and tens of listeners. Oh, yeah. them. They're having fun out there. Testing <laughs> one, two, one, two. Oh, Is this on? <laughs> no, you're very right. You're very right. Hey, Jerry. It, it, it's, it's democracy. It's democracy for everyone in, in, in that way. So I think, yeah, yep. it was out of that. Hey, Jerry. Uh, Give us your take on the debate that happened last night, which would have been September 29th, the first presidential debate between President Trump and Vice President Joe Biden. You saw it. What did you think? Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind is um, I was really angry. And what I was most angry about is 10 years ago, the TV Guide gave me an award as the worst show in the history of television. 
<laughs> and last night I passed the torch. <laughs> <laughs> I passed it on. <laughs> that, oh, that was the worst thing I've oh, seen in television. It was horrible. But it, it was really Trump who was horrible. I mean, Chris Wallace, in fairness to him, I don't know what he could have done. I mean, you know, the next debate, maybe they'll control the microphones. Even that, if they're in the same room, Trump would have still been yelling out, interfering. So there's no quick answers unless you put them in separate rooms and then you sh shut off the mic when they're not supposed to talk. But besides that, um, assuming Trump reads poll results, and we know he does, the fact is all polls, even those of Fox, show Biden with a comfortable and stable lead. And nothing we saw at the first presidential debate last night will change that. So Trump knows he's probably gonna lose, if not definitely, and perhaps he'll even lose massively. So this emotionally and mentally unstable man who illegitimately sits in the White House will not be able to psychologically handle the reality of being overwhelmingly rejected by the American people. If there's such a thing as karma, his judgment day is coming. And whatever is left of this broken man's narcissism will inevitably crumble into a horrific heap of despair and rage, which we saw so graphically in last night's debate. Simply put, I don't see him walking calmly into the sunset. So when he's alone, he's probably thinking about what he's going to do if he loses. I think he has a strategy. His plan B is to create chaos. Scream out, the election's rigged, mail-in votes are fraudulent. And so while he tries to dismantle the post office so the ballots won't get there in time, he at the same time urges his people to vote by mail and in person. Who cares if that's a felony? And if all this nonsense isn't unsettling enough, he raises the specter that he hasn't yet decided if he's gonna respect the results. In other words, if he loses, he might not leave. Wow. Now, no question, all of this noise creates chaos and distrust in the public's mind. But rest easy. It's not gonna be enough to change the result. And deep down, he knows that that's not gonna mean he gets another four years, unless you're talking prison. But his strategy is, if he can create enough chaos, turmoil, and distrust, then his ego and narcissism can be soothed by the fact that he can be telling people for the rest of his life that he didn't really lose, that people still love him. The election was rigged by the deep state. And despite what you have heard on the news, not Fox, but the real news, he really did win. That's what he'll keep telling himself and people. This will give him talking points that he can use in leading a far-right white supremacist movement, not to mention starting a new right-wing cable network, Trump News. This is really the only possible rationale for his behavior, assuming there is a rationale. But as scary as this all is, at least be comforted by this. For all the chaos Trump incites in our democracy, the voters still the votes will ultimately still be counted. And assuming Trump loses, which I still think is probable, 
Trump cannot stay in office past noon this coming January the 20th. You see, he was only elected for a four-year term. So come noon on January 20th, he has no more authority to be in the White House than you or I do. At that moment, he would be trespassing and immediately removed by either the Secret Service or the military. Even if we don't yet have a new president, because not all votes have yet been counted, resulting in neither candidate having been certified by his having acquired the necessary 270 electoral votes, well then, under the Constitution, the Speaker of the House becomes acting president on January the 20th until the votes are finally counted and certified. And if even then no candidate acquires the necessary 270 electoral votes, then under the Constitution, Congress elects the next president. So assuming the Congress remains overwhelmingly democratic, and no reason to think that won't happen, and since there's no electoral college involved in that determination, the Congress is not going to put a Republican in for the next four years, and certainly not Trump. So know this, here's some good news in a season that's desperately looking for some. Unless Trump clearly wins, which is unlikely, his chaos will not save him. His future official status is likely to be nothing more than defendant. Yeah. yeah. Good, Jerry. Yeah. And, and if Trump is listening, I wasn't here. <laughs> I didn't even think about that Trump news thing. That's terrifying, Jerry. I was Holy just about cow. to say that, too. Yeah. I hadn't even mm. thought about that. Yeah. Well, we television <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah. Lord. What do you right. know that we don't know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, well I know I won't be on that station. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I know. The one TV station you're not worried about getting on. There you yeah, go. that's, that's Holy cow. Holy uh, cow. How funny. Yep. Wow. Scary times. All right, Megan, over All to right, you. All right, so here we have Tyler Childers, and we are going to be listening this evening to White House Road. Shot eyes late in the evening when the sun sinks low. That's about the time my rooster crows. I got women up and down this creek, and keep me going in my engine clean. Run me ragged, but I don't. Oh. 
the cold hard clay Won't you sing them hymns while the banjo plays You can tell them ladies that they are not frown Cause there ain't been nothing ever held me down Check him out at tylerchilders.com and make sure you yeah. also check out his Hickman Hunter Appalachian Relief Fund. Yeah. All right. He's going to take us out on Down by the Riverside. Jerry Springer joins yeah, in. Yeah, buddy.